Blue Collar Fitness. What is Blue Collar? Blue Collar is a mindset and attitude, and it's work that you can be proud of. I'm Trevor Powers. I'm Connor Burton. And I'm Josh Sargent. Whether you go to the gym, work at the gym, own the gym, or if you're just a creeper pretending to do curls watching girls on the elliptical, this podcast is for you, even you. Ten minute walk. Hey, Let's go. he's walking. <laughs> What's going on, guys? What's going on, Mark? Oh, I like the jacket. Got the Niners. Let's go Niners. How's it going over there? It's going pretty good. Just chilling here in the in the studio. The four, the four the, part uh, studio. You guys got the win over the Patriots on Sunday. <clears throat> yeah, they crushed them pretty good. <laughs> doesn't, they don't have Brady to bail them out anymore, man. I know. I, I'm from New York originally, so at heart, I'm a Jets fan, but they're 0-7, so I got to cling on to some other team for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough to be a Jets fan, man. Very it's, tough. It's, it's been uh, a rough couple of decades. <laughs> we want to we, we thank you very much for being here today. Uh, my name is Dave Shep, and I'm, I'm the life coach slash producer. The producer. The, and I'm uh, Connor. I was talking to – sorry, Dave. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, Mark, I'm, I'm Connor, and I was talking to you earlier, and I want to thank you and, and Stephen for getting this all set up, and I appreciate your time, and we here at Blue Collar are really looking forward to this, and I think uh, you may have met Josh at some point. Uh, he definitely doesn't remember me. I bought some knee sleeves from you at the, uh, the Arnold a few years ago, but I, awesome. uh, you definitely inspired me to start the podcast thing, man. I, I started listening to your PowerCast back in 2015. And I think that was really the first podcast I ever started listening to. So you got me into the podcast game for sure. <laughs> awesome. That's man. great to hear. Good stuff. Well, yeah. let's, uh, let's start it off with, we got Trevor here. Let's yeah, Trevor with- all yeah, the way sorry. in Texas. Yes. No, I'm in, I'm in Colorado. Yeah, in Colorado. And uh, I actually, I'm from, uh, I'm from the Bay Area. So you wearing a, a, Niners, a Niners jacket's <laughs> awesome, man. I love cool. that. We like to start it off with a good icebreaker, and we know you got you always have a good shit story. So um, may your shits always be tapered. You know, whatever you want to go, you can go recent, you can go greatest of all time. What's what's the best shit story you got for us today, Mark? Oh man, I could <clears throat> I could fill up this whole uh, podcast with shit. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, so I think with like COVID going on, it's been. <laughs> it's put me in some compromising uh, situations, but luckily uh, nothing's been that bad. You know, I've been able to, you know, make it, make it to a, uh, make it to a bathroom, but I would say probably the worst, um, probably the worst of it was a few years ago when I was doing some squats in the, in the gym and my stomach was really rumbling, but I was like, Oh man, you know, I got to finish this workout anyway. And I just got done with my warm up sets and I went for, uh, set number one, and I was supposed to do like six sets. It was like, I don't know, it was like six sets of five or something. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a long, tough workout, but I got, you know, 30 minutes into it because I got done with the warm up stuff. And I, I do set number one and rep number one <laughs> of set number one, uh, just didn't quite go my way. You know, I got a little surprised with that first, first rep, <laughs> but being the meathead that I am, I'm like, you know what? I, I, need to finish my set because I don't want to put the weight back. So I continued to go and it, it kind of, uh, worked out, um, basically, uh, you know, coming out like, uh, like soft serve ice cream, you know? Nice. Oh, <laughs> and, uh, 
so I, yeah, so I went, I went to the bathroom and then luckily the bathroom at that gym, that, this was a gold's gym at the time. Uh, luckily they had a shower, so I had to just get rid of, luckily I had another pair of shorts just in case of such an emergency. <laughs> and, uh, I just, I took a shower and I just started over and I, I, I nice. finished out the workout, but yeah, that was a uh, pretty sticky situation to say the least. Yeah. So you this- always got to pack that extra, that extra pair of shorts, man. <laughs> Even on vacation and stuff. Baby wipes, too. Does your gym have a full day now? I have my backpack right here with me, and and there's some baby wipes in there as we speak. Just in case. (laughs) That's awesome. I have one of those... I have one of those toilets nowadays, you know, with the the bidet attachment thing on it, and... uh, Perfect. Those those are absolutely uh, extraordinary. I've done like a double blind placebo study on them just to make sure (laughs) to make sure they're uh, as effective as advertised. And when you go to wipe with uh, toilet paper or a wipe, they're complete. There's nothing on there. So it somehow blasts everything off there. (laughs) Well, changing changing gears here. um, We hear you talk about morning routines and, and waking up early. Um, you know, and, and we've kind of seen you evolve over the years and some of your, your different practices, you know, going from, you know, a very strong, heavy power lifter to now kind of a more of a lean, mean guy training with Mike O'Hearn here and there and at four in the morning or three in the morning, whatever time that is. Um, you want to go into how that you've kind of incorporated your morning routines and, and waking up early into your life? Yeah, I think, um, you know, what I usually try to ask of people is, uh, just to do a little bit better than they did last week or, or last month, you know, just because I, I don't expect everyone to try to wake up at 4am. And even for myself, it's just not realistic to do it all the time to be um, it just doesn't even fit my own schedule. You know, like me going to bed at like seven uh, isn't always the best thing for my family life. You know, uh, my kids are still up until nine or 10 and uh, I'd rather be with them. However, what I would say is that people that do have, um, I mean, most people have kind of a hectic schedule. Most people have significant others or, or some family to kind of answer to. And I think it's uh, the best thing in the world is to get a lot of your work done before anybody else in the house wakes up. And so for me, it's always been really useful and really helpful to, you know, maybe get a meal in, uh, maybe get a workout in and I come home and it's, you know, six o'clock or six thirty, and, really nobody else is even up maybe except for my wife. Cause she uh, swims at like five 30 every morning. So that has always been a, uh, a big part of my life at the moment. I don't train in the morning anymore, but I still wake up early and I still uh, just basically work in the morning uh, while the kids are sleeping and stuff. But um, there's just been some shifts where <clears throat> I've just learned like, you know, Hey, I, I could use some sleep here and there, you know? So I've, uh, I made some changes, uh, like that, but again, I think the main, the main take home from that is, uh, you know, can you wake up earlier? And when you wake up a little earlier, it sends a cascade of disciplines throughout the rest of your life. And then hopefully you'll get your shit together enough to where you get to bed a little bit earlier. Cause I really think, you know, 10 o'clock, 10 30, that kind of stuff. I think a lot of times we're just consuming more calories. It's not really it's not really part of the day anymore. You're probably not going to do anything where you expend any sort of energy, even past like 8 PM. I, I would just imagine you're not going to really do anything uh, that productive. You might go out, you might go out on a date, you might have fun. You might go see a movie, 
something like that, but it's not like you're going to exercise or really do anything. And so when I think about those, the, you know, what you're going to be doing later in the night, you're probably just going to be kind of sitting on your ass uh, watching TV and, and just, just, there's just more harm uh, that can probably be done than good. So why not get to bed and uh, focus in on, um, you know, the ability to make yourself better each day. Yeah. Mark, like from a listener of your, um, your podcast, the, the power project, like, I feel like you as a people's coach have, have really influenced, you know, me and us and being able to like teach me a lot of like, you know, discipline, like routines, like the morning routine. And I heard a podcast you recently of you recently talking about, you know, stoicism and choosing how you, you choose to respond when somebody, you know, tells you something that you don't like, and then you choose not to react emotionally. Like, why don't you talk on stoicism and um, just being more emotionally, I guess, neutral, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think everything is uh, everything's open to interpretation. So there's a couple a couple of things there. Um, I mean, even even th- even you might be very, you might be super religious, uh, but even the Bible itself is open to interpretation. And then there's different versions of the Bible, and then there's different pastors and different ministers that read it a different way, or read into it a different way, or read it to you in a slightly different way. And so. Uh, everything is open to interpretation. Um, you know, somebody trying to be hurtful, you know, somebody trying to hurt your feelings or knock you off your, uh, your pedestal, um, you know, hurt people, hurt people. And I think when you recognize that, then the things that people say to you hurt a little bit less when you say, ah, that guy's probably kind of grumpy, you know, like, mm-hmm. of course that guy's pissed that I got a new car because he just can't afford one at the moment, or maybe he's just having a shit day. And so when you start to kind of, uh, you know, realize where this language is coming from, from people uh, when they're trying to throw stones at you, it, it allows you to be more stoic and it allows you to, um, I, I think what, what I'm, something that's popped up recently a lot with me is, has been how people have been raised by their parents. And I'm at an age, I'm 43, I'm at an age where I've been communicating with other people that are similar age, or they're just getting more, um, like emotionally mature. Um, and they have kind of come to the conclusion that they don't really fault their parents anymore for how they were raised, even though their parents may have been alcoholics, their parents may have been abusive. Um, they say, you know what, that was my parents interpretation of, of how they were going to love me. They didn't know how to show me any other way. They never were taught and never learned another way. And so I think things like that are beautiful because it really, uh, it just pulls you out of the, out of the suck of, of, and the misery of that kind of thing happening to you. And you can, I don't know what it's like to be in that situation. So I'm not going to pretend that I do. Uh, but I think it's a wonderful thing when you can detach yourself from it and say, Hey, you know what? Uh, I'm just not going to place any judgment because life is pretty fucking tough. It's pretty difficult. Mm -hmm. It, uh, deals all of us, uh, some interesting cards, but I think we have the ability to interpret how these things come at us. My, my mom died on, on Saturday and, you know, I, I internalized it. My, I got a call from my dad at like three in the morning and I said, okay, I'll come yeah. home. I was in Tahoe. I drove, you know, three hours and spent time with him and we made the phone calls we needed to make to some other family members and called the police and did all this oh. necessary stuff that we're supposed to do. And my dad goes, well, what do you want to do now? And I said, I'm going to go to the gym. It was like, 
mama didn't raise no bitch and he's like fuck yeah (laughs) and so i went i went to the gym and i got around people that love me and people that care about me and yeah it's sad and every day will be sad and it'll i will never really fully recover you know you're not gonna recover from uh losing the person that birthed you but in a in a in a uh i mean my other options my other choices are to you know get involved in alcohol uh eat a bunch of ben and jerry's uh you know sit sit around and kind of get fat and just not feel good about myself and not exercise and just do a bunch of stuff that's uh ultimately going to probably lead to a lot of negative uh a lot of negative results so uh, i'm not i'm not stuffing down uh or ignoring uh the emotions uh but i'm learning how to internalize them and learning how to interpret them better and what something that's really changed drastically for myself <clears throat> is the ability to say oh my god like that hurt my feelings like for me to acknowledge that like like when somebody you know, it's hard to do that as a guy, you know, someone makes fun of you or something or, or just something for whatever reason. I mean, it shouldn't, it's stuff that you shouldn't uh, probably really care about that much, but we do care. We do care about what other people uh, think of us. And, but when you recognize, okay, that gave me that sensation, then you can zoom out and you can think about, okay, what am I doing? Okay. I'm on Instagram. Okay. I'm searching for negative comments. <laughs> and then you can think about how productive that is and, and what are some techniques that you can utilize to get away from that? You know, can you, can you be off Instagram? Is it feasible? Maybe it's not. Um, maybe you're kind of addicted to it or something, but you can, you can reinterpret these things and you can look at it differently. It could be the same with like some YouTube comments or something like that. And you can say, look, man, I'm just going to shut off comments or I'm just not going to ever look at them. Um, and then you can kind of, I mean, you, you can interpret Instagram, whatever way you want. And I think Instagram and social media is a, a really wonderful thing. I mean, look at the interpretation of TikTok, right? The interpretation of TikTok from an 11 year old, uh, girl is way different than the interpretation of TikTok from a, a 45 year old guy. Who's a, who's a chef, you know, that, that, that chef might be giving out really good information every day about how to cook where that girl's just kind of playing around with her friends and probably doing different dance moves and doing whatever, uh, whatever kids are, are messing around with these days. So everything is kind of open to interpretation. And I think once you kind of start to uh, recognize that you can always pull yourself back to that. Something, something about what you just said is, uh, is a lot, it's a lot about perspective and understanding the perspective of other people, because you, you don't see the world through their eyes. You see them through your own. So I feel like it's a lot of perspective and control and the control part is like, if you, if you react, if you react to someone's like actions towards you, then you're relinquishing the control of your emotions. You're just like, okay, here, just take my emotions, do whatever you want. And, and that's really, that's really, it's good to internalize it. Like you said, and just like be able to, to look at it on your own not not just react and because like you said you you could have you could have taken this way south but you you step back you took a look at it and you're like like she wouldn't have wanted this so i'm gonna i'm gonna go about my life and and do do what she raised me to do and that's awesome man that is incredible yeah it's really amazing 
Oh, go ahead. I really like the I really like the word uh, equanimity. You know, um, anybody that's listening to this, uh, when when you get a chance, you know, look up the word equanimity. It's not it's not utilized enough. You don't hear about it enough, and it actually is some some of the quote some of the uh, some of the definition of it is almost a little unrealistic, but I still think it's okay. Uh, basically, you're you're just not harmed uh, by emotions. You're the, the normal things that would uh, the normal things that would impact people certain ways. They don't shift you any which way. Um, and I think also too, just taking your time with stuff. You know, you hear people say sleep on it. Uh, you ever get like a weird email from somebody and it really hits you the wrong way? Like just give it a few hours. You know, like there's there's no law saying that you have to respond within one hour. Uh, to these things. Um, and same with text messages. Um, I actually got into a disagreement with my brother-in-law one day when he was talking about his job and how tied to the phone he is. And I disagreed with him very strongly. And I said, well, you just need a different job. And he's like, that's not the way, that's not the way the real world works. He's like, I know that you're an entrepreneur, but he's like, I work for a corporate company. And I said, I don't think it matters who you work for because you get to pick and choose where you work because you put an application in with that company and you agreed to have those managers and those bosses and you don't have to live with those people. You're choosing to, you're choosing to allow these people and he's super stressed out. And so I'm like, this is all a choice, man. You have to recognize that you're not, you're not enslaved to this company. I mean, you literally have the option to go in there and say, Hey, I'm done. I don't appreciate the way I'm getting treated. And and I'm, I'm going to move on. And I think a lot of people just, they don't recognize that. They get pulled around and towed around by their emotions uh, often. And it, uh, it just leads them to be really stressed out and uh, really anxious. That's good stuff. Equanimity. Yeah. That's yeah. what I've, I've <laughs> I, never used. I, I know. I just looked that up. Uh, yeah, first, we all did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd also like to offer condolences for your mom. I'm really, really sorry about your yeah. loss. Thank the, you. I uh, appreciate that. One thing you said that that hit really close to home for me is uh, a, a lot um, with my dad. I didn't talk to my dad for over almost 30 years because he didn't react well when he found out that I was gay uh, and he died this year. Uh, and there was a lot of lot of things. And one thing that I realized is that he did the best that he could. You, you know, right. he, he 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 honestly he just he just did the best that he could and he didn't know any better. He in a, and it was just one of the things where. I need to stop, stop blaming him and, and owning my own shit. Uh, and so there's been a lot of forgiveness on both sides ever since he passed, because, you know, I'm just, I'm finally able to talk to him and, and have a, a rational conversation, Yeah. Uh, but there's been a lot of forgiveness on, on both sides, you know, for, for me. Uh, so I really love what you said. So thank you for sharing that. I think it's, uh, it's, it's just probably, it was just probably very foreign to him. Yeah. He just probably yeah. didn't know anything about it. And, you know, growing up for him, he probably got teased about that kind of stuff. That's what yeah. a lot of guys do. A lot of guys joke about it. And so when you told him that, it probably just fucking threw him for a loop and he had no idea <laughs> how to how to react or respond to it. Now, I do think that, you know, you do have to I think everyone needs to like grow up and everybody needs to be responsible for their actions. But I, I do love what you said right there is that everyone is trying to do the best they can. Um but I think, you know, somebody telling you that they're a particular way or they have a particular uh, preference, um, I, I <laughs> to, to put that into perspective, I mean, I just think that that is really uh, 
just a, a ludicrous way of thinking, but it's also an old school way of thinking. Unfortunately, uh, we have people in this country now that still think people, people that are just a different pigment of them uh, can't think the same way, can't have the same jobs or somebody of a different sex can't do a job the same way or someone who's gay can't be as competitive in uh, MMA or powerlifting or like, these are all, you know, things that I'm, I'm glad to see that these things are being, uh, are being put to rest. But it seems like for every couple steps forward that we make, uh, there's always something new that pops up to where we have some really good uh, irrational thought <laughs> to the ne- to whatever that next thing is that's uh, kind of new and different to us. Changing gears here, it would be uh, it'd be terrible if we had Mark Bell on and we didn't talk about powerlifting. Man, I, I really <laughs> would love to hear uh, your experiences at Westside and then also your experiences with Ed Cohn. Um, you can take as long as you want on that. You can go in as depth mm-hmm. or as brief as you like. Yeah, you know, uh, West Side Barbell is a very special place. Um, you know, I trained there under the tutelage of Louis Simmons. Uh, Louis still has West Side going on. He still has a lot of strong athletes there. Um, you know, you would you would just a, a normal day at West Side. You know, you would see, you know, somebody squatting, you know, eight nine hundred pounds. And there would be like a bunch of bands and chains on the bar and people yelling. And there's like either some rap music or some uh, metal going on. And, you know, people would come into the gym. Louis was very welcoming, which was is kind of probably shocking to people that, that he's super, super kind. But he's covered in tattoos, you know, and that's why we can't, you know, judge, judge a book by its cover. But he looks intimidating. The gym looks intimidating. Uh, but everyone there is actually pretty helpful and pretty nice, especially if they see that you're interested and that you want to, uh, you know, put in the time and effort and work hard and all that kind of stuff. And so West side, you know, even though they're inviting, they have a lot of people that just kind of will peek in there, but they won't go in all the way. The uh, monolift is in the back of the gym and it's, it takes people sometimes weeks or months. They kind of work, work their way back in there when the main crew is in there, because it is, it is intimidating. It's uh, some high level performers that are, really uh, taking things serious and taking things to the next level. Uh, I'd also like to say that Louis Simmons um, is a pioneer and a, uh, and an amazing inventor and an amazing uh, entrepreneur and an amazing mentor to thousands and thousands of people, uh, myself included and, and Dave Tate of EliteFTS.com. But, you know, Louis, Louis kind of showed me the way of like, Hey, if you just have, if you have some good resources, then you can kind of do whatever you want and you can go to the beat of your own drum. And so I was really interested in that. Uh, since the time I was a kid, I was, I've always been um, fascinated by, by money and fascinated by strength. Um, when I was a kid, I used to tell my dad that I was going to live in a castle because this, uh, this old uh, club, this gym that we passed by, I don't know why it was shaped this way, but it looked like a castle. And so I used to uh, always tell my dad that one day I'm going to live in a castle and I've gotten pretty close. The last house I owned kind of looked a little bit like a castle, <laughs> but I, I, I've always been fascinated by these things. I always, uh, I don't know, just always wanted to lean into all this stuff and powerlifting was just something I was really interested in. Um, I, I think that people are always trying to be like really good at stuff. 
but they maybe just at the heart of it aren't that interested and they're trying to kind of be something that they're not. And so I think it's a good idea to kind of check yourself and say, like, like it's okay if, if you like powerlifting, but you don't want to be a powerlifter. It's okay if you like bodybuilding, but you don't want to be a bodybuilder. Like some people don't want to take steroids and some people don't want to like, you know, go, go to those extra lengths that now make the sport, it turns the sport from being fun into being something more serious and also uh, being something a lot more dangerous. And so I think Westside Barbell is like the epitome of that. Like those people, um, they, they have sacrificed whatever they needed to sacrifice and maybe even oversack, like they sacrifice stuff that's not necessary. Like you don't need to not have a job to be a strong power lifter. Um, and you don't need to be, uh, you know, hooked on uh, painkillers and stuff to be a good power lifter. But a lot of these guys, they fall into these traps because they're just thinking like, this is the culture. This is the way it is. You, you give everything, you know, to powerlifting, and this is the only way. Now, what I saw from Ed Cohn was something much different because Ed Cohn was like normal and Ed Cohn was retired. And so I didn't meet Ed Cohn while he was in the middle of his powerlifting career, which I'm, I'm sure I would have met a different person, but I met a guy who was like, Hey, like, listen, like, this is the way it is. And you, you know, it, it's great that you're obsessed with the numbers and go ahead and be obsessed with the numbers and go ahead and chase them a little bit, but don't chase them to the detriment of everything else. And, uh, you know, just, just being around Ed and seeing how kind he is to people and then seeing uh, him give back to other people uh, was always, it's just always really amazing. Um, I interviewed Ed Cohn when I had a, a magazine a few years ago called Power Magazine. And uh, in the interview, um, I told him, I said, you know, my dad told me something really important years ago. He said, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. And I said, I, I one day kind of woke up and recognized that I wasn't Ed Cohn and that I never would be. And, but I was OK with it. I, like it, it really put me at peace with my powerlifting career because that was the goal. The goal was to try to be the greatest of all time. And when I just recognized that wasn't in the cards for me in particular, and that it just didn't make sense for any, me to even bother to chase that any further, um, when I told him that, you know, in, in the article, I, I still have the article. I have a, a piece of it ripped out in my uh, in my office uh, on the wall. And he basically just said uh, something to the effect of, uh, you know, you might not be the next Ed Cohn, but you'll be the next Mark Bell. And I bet you that will have a pretty big impact. And it was really cool because it was, this is many years ago before uh, I became, I guess, as famous as I am now. So it was really, for me, it, it got me fired up and got me excited. I was like, fuck, man, he's, he's right. I can, I can still, I don't have to be the best necessarily to have an impact. And I thought previously, because I was so tied up in the sport, I was like, man, if you're not the best, you don't have anything to say. You know, that, that's kind of, that was my vantage point. I'm like, if you're not squatting 1100 pounds and benching 900 pounds and deadlifting 900 pounds, then no one's going to want to listen to you. But as you guys know, uh, that's, that's very far from the truth. You just need to, uh, you need to have a good knowledge base and you do need to be like a material expert. But uh, beyond that, you just need to have the willingness to want to and uh, I, I found a lot of satisfaction through sharing information with people. Kind of going back to uh, becoming famous, Mark, <laughs> um, along with the slingshot, uh, kind of a, a question about 
how you got to your level of fame and uh, being known in the fitness industry. Did that start with Bigger, Faster, Stronger, the documentary, your brother's uh, movie? And how was the experience in making that movie? You, you know, everything actually started through pro wrestling. So I, I, I did pro wrestling um, when I was in my early 20s. And I actually had an opportunity to wrestle with John Cena and had an opportunity to meet uh, people like The Rock and Stone Cold. And I did some stuff for like WWE and and things like that. And kind of, uh, you know, in a <laughs> really, really weird thing is that I'm like nowadays I'm, I'm friends with Stone Cold. And it's just so weird because I always think I'm like, this is going to end in a Stone Cold stunner. I'm like, I know how this ends every single time. <laughs> But uh, the reason why I brought wrestling up was the fact that um, it gave me the ability to talk and it gave me the ability to communicate uh, in a slightly different way and to make kind of like infotainment, you know, rather than just making rather than just kind of having information or just having ridiculous uh, entertainment stuff. I was able to kind of maybe melt the two together a little bit and, um, you know, basically put out videos and stuff that people would want to watch because I was given information out on, on powerlifting, which I just always found to be fascinating. And I just thought people will really like 700 pound squats and 800 pound squats. And I started to recognize as I put that out more, I started to get a better idea of like, Oh, like uh, people, they like watching me, but they really love watching the team because then they can identify with that guy over there because he weighs 170. They can identify with that girl over there because she's not, uh, you know, five, two and 260 pounds, things like that. So uh, it was it was easier to, um, you know, start to identify. And that's how kind of things grew. Going back to bigger, stronger, faster. That definitely was something huge that uh, put me and my family on the map. And uh, now with my, you know, my brother died years ago, my mother died years ago. And now this is like. Uh, a movie people can go back and watch and, and listen to, you know, who these people were and, and how these people thought, you know, they're my family members. Um, but yeah, bigger, stronger, faster was a huge, uh, a huge boost. But the weird thing is, is bigger, stronger, faster came out before social media was around. So um, we, <laughs> our timing wasn't great. If our timing was a little bit better, I think uh, things would have been, uh, impacted even greater, but my brother's working on some stuff now, uh, that I think will have a large impact. He's working on some, uh, nutrition movie, uh, type stuff that we'll give you guys more details on, uh, soon enough. It was absolutely amazing being part of bigger, stronger, faster. Um, my brother, you know, some, it's really weird set of circumstances. My brother had this idea to do a film on steroids. They wanted just to film like a trailer, and they were filming some people. And uh, one of the uh, producers at the time was like, man, he's like, I just don't know, man. I don't, I don't really think this is like, it's like there's something's missing. It's like not hitting, you know, enough with, with trying to put this together. They were trying to put together a trailer to get more money. And my brother's like, well, what do you mean? And, and the guy was like, well, I think it might need more of a personal story. And the guy's like, you, you said that you tried steroids before, right, Chris? And, and Chris was like, yeah. And he's like, well, maybe we should talk about that a little bit. And so my brother talked about that in this little clip that they were shooting. And while he was talking about that in the moment, he was like, he was like, yeah, my brother Smelly and my brother Mad Dog, they're on steroids right now. 
And so, so they, they <laughs> stopped they stop filming. Yeah, they stopped filming. And they're like, wait, what? Like, your brothers are on shit right now? And he's like, yeah, my one brother, uh, you know, he takes stuff, but he gets into trouble all the time. And he's kind of a hothead. And he's like, and my other brother, you know, utilizes it. And he's becoming more and more successful in, in powerlifting all the time. And then they were like, wait a second. Like, that's fascinating. So that's kind of how a lot of that came to be was just kind of through uh, the producers and my brother, the, the director, um, communicating a little bit further and coming up with a, a little bit more of a uh, family story. And I think that's what ended up uh, making the movie so successful was that the family was in there. A lot of, uh, you know, I, I've heard this in college. I heard this growing up, you know, there's, unless you're going to be a personal trainer or a physical therapist, you're not going to make any money lifting weights, you know, and, <laughs> um, I, I don't know if you heard that growing up. I'm sure you've heard it before. What, what was your come up like, you know, and, and how did you end up so successful with the, the foundation of weight training? Yeah. You know, I, I have a, uh, a saying, you know, that's just really simple. Like don't let your dreams die. You know, I think when we're kids, we have these uh, grandiose ideas of the things that we're going to do. Uh, you're going to be a pro football player. You're going to be this, you're going to be that. And you continue to come up with different ideas because um, just reality and life just kind of hits you. Um, I don't know. Maybe you want to be an astronaut or like when I was a little kid, for some reason, I wanted to be a race car driver. You know, I, I just, <laughs> just didn't know what it meant really to, to do any of that. And, um, but I think that you, you try to hold on to at least some of the dreams because they're going to keep shifting and they're going to keep changing. And, um, I've always been like a dreamer. I've always been a believer. I've always luckily because of my mom and my dad um, and my brothers, I guess, too. I, I just always had a really strong belief in myself. Um, I would say that, like, you know, out of the different things I learned from my mother, uh, that was probably number one. My mom, like my mom was the kind of mom that, you know, if she ran to one of you guys and you were wearing some lifting shirt she would be like, Oh, you probably know my son. And she would brag and brag and brag. And she would tell you guys all about me. And you'd be like, listen, lady, I don't even care. I'm just trying to get out of the grocery store. <laughs> Your biggest but fan. My, my, yeah. My biggest fan. And, um, actually people over the last couple of days sent me a bunch of screenshots of, uh, my mom's Facebook and my mom's Facebook is just covered with stuff from me uh, <laughs> where she just was like reposting and she's like, my son has a new t-shirt for sale. You need to go buy it. Or he has a new, <laughs> you know, a new slingshot product out or any of that kind of stuff. So um, I always had a really strong belief in myself and I always knew that I would be able to do something, uh, whatever that something was. I, I don't know what it was going to be exactly, but I think lifting, uh, was always there and something that I shared with my daughter recently, which she's uh, 13 and she thought it was just really weird. But uh, I basically kind of told her like lifting chose me. And she's like, that sounds really weird, dad. And I was like, I was like, I know, but it, it kind of did because it was just always there. It always knocked on my door. It always, it always kept coming back. It was like uh, an annoying girlfriend that I just couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't get rid of. I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to be a pro football player. No, I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Like go away. Like no one cares about lifting, you know? And, uh, so it just kind of always kept coming back. Luckily, um, I was, I mean, I just had a decent, uh, set of genetics to go along with it. And I think that, um, I think that every human being on the planet has a little bit of 
uh, genius inside their body and it, and it lies in some of the gifts that we have. And uh, for me, I just happen to be just a, a little bit better at lifting than my friends and, and a lot of bit better than, than some of them. Um, and I think it's not any different than uh, kids, uh, you know, taking, uh, doing some math in second and third grade. And, and you know, the, there's one kid that finishes first every single time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or what about, you know, if, if all of us right now all tried to paint this background right here <laughs> of these <laughs> trees that are behind oh, me, yeah. right? Like how, how bad would it look from some of us? But like one of us would be halfway decent at it. And so sometimes you just have a little propensity to be better at something uh, than everybody else. And my thing was lifting. And I think it's each person's job to try to find. I know a lot of people don't think they have it. A lot of people are like, I don't have anything like that. But I, I, th- I don't think that's true. I think everybody does. I think it's your mm-hmm. job to really try to search for it and find it. And it's, um, it might take you a long time, you know, something else. I, I'm 43. So I haven't even had this shit figured out for 10 years. You know, I, I uh, really wasn't doing much of anything until I was about 35. I mean, I, I was lifting big weights and I set some records and shit like that. But in terms of like money and finances and uh, being what I guess society would consider to be a success. I mean, uh, I, before that time, I was like a starving artist. You know, I was like, you know, just didn't didn't have any money. Couldn't couldn't figure things out. I just couldn't figure out how to put uh, one foot in front of the other kind of thing. So, uh you got to fucking hang in there and you got to, you got to work on believing in yourself. And I think you work on believing in yourself through the things that you can control. The things that you can control are your sleep habits, your diet, your food intake, your, your preparation for each day. Uh, all these are all things that uh, you have some control over. And I think through some sort of physical effort, uh, could be mental effort too. You could, you know, reading and things like that can be helpful, but um, I don't think anything lights up your body and lights up your brain better than some good, hard physical activity. So for me, the most important thing to be able to kind of hold on to this dream of like turning lifting into anything uh, was just really manifesting a really strong, powerful belief in myself. I shot a video one time where I talked about um, how just, many people just never really got a big pat on the back for anything. Like they never, you know, they never, they never hit a game winning home run. They never scored the game winning touchdown. Uh, they never created something in school that everybody marveled at. Uh, they never were the fastest kid on the playground. Like they just never got anything. Uh, and, and maybe they, maybe they unfairly, maybe they weren't encouraged to do any of those things. Maybe they didn't, maybe they just didn't have that kind of upbringing or maybe they're just dealing with, uh, other types of things, but whatever the case is, I still think that you have to work, you know, whatever the case was with your childhood, it could be unfortunate if it wasn't uh, ideal, but whatever the case is, I still think that you have to work towards uh, finding it. I mean, there's people that don't become actors and stuff until they're like in their fifties and then they win an Academy Award when they're 60. Um, you hear these stories all the time. I met a guy just a few days ago that started powerlifting at 60 years old. I mean, it's never over, you know, you, 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 you got to kind of hang in there and and just hang in there long enough to have a belief in yourself because everything that you do that you're going to try to excel at, it's just going to take a really, really, really long time to be good at it. And it'll take that much longer to be great at it. Yeah. um, 
I, I love that mentality. And as a, as a life coach, a lot, that's what I teach, especially with that perseverance, that mental grit. One, one problem I had, um, I, was, I was morbidly obese um, a, a lot of my life. But when I would go to the gym and I would get to rep six and seven, I always felt like I was done. I can't do it anymore. And then I'd turn around and I'd see a guy like you pushing like 12, 14, screaming, going at it. <laughs> and, and I was always like, what, why can't I do that? Why? What is it that he has that, that I don't? And that's how I started my fitness journey. And that's how I was like, I had to find that within myself. And, and I read some of the Navy SEAL stuff. It's like, when, you know, whenever you tap out of Navy SEAL, you always have more in you. You just have to keep going, mm-hmm. you know, and, and trying to get that mental grit with working out. But how, how would you tell someone like me who, who used to stop at rep seven because it was too much and I can't do it? What, what, what advice do you have for people like me? Do another set you know, and and train yourself to do it again. You know, like uh, you don't always have to do another rep. You don't always have to do more weight. Um, There are ways to everyone, everyone eases their way into all this stuff. You know, it's just, it just, it just looks differently for everybody. Um, Again, you have to keep in mind that, so you grew up morbidly obese and you grew up just with totally different circumstances. We talked earlier about perspective, um, I've heard people talk about goggles, you know, like you're, you're literally seeing things through, uh, somebody else's like goggles would be like shocking. Right. So if I, if I lived your life and if I went through the things that you went through, I would have the same fucking really bastardly hard time going to going to rep number seven when I'm on rep number six. Um, so I just think it appears differently for each person a little bit, but it's because I did have the encouragement. I did have the little push. I did have my parents, my grandparents, my brothers, my brothers would say, Hey man, don't be a fucking pussy. What are you doing? Like, you know, you got to keep, you know, Mark, when you run down the field, you know, in football and you're, it's a kickoff, like kickoff's not a break, man. Like, like knock someone on their ass, you know? And, and I, so I had to, I had to like learn a lot of these things. I wasn't naturally an aggressive person. Uh, you know, if I ran like a 40 yard dash or something, my brother would be like, dude, like, what are you doing? You stopped like five yards before the line. You gotta, you gotta run through the line. And, and when I lifted, they kind of taught me the same thing. They're like, Hey, you, you kind of know how to lift. Like you, your form is good, but like you're lifting so slow and shit. Like they're like, give it some oomph, you know? Uh, they're like, uh, they, so what, what I would advise someone to do in this situation is think about all the doubt that you have for yourself and think about all the doubt that people have for you. And, and use that as some reserve energy, use that as some ammo. And you can kind of end up being like Jesse, the body Ventura when he in predator, when he fucking mauls down the jungle with that uh, machine gun type thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing. Right. But, but utilize that as energy. Like it can be negative sometimes to go a little too deep into that, but Use that as some positive energy to say, you know what? Fuck everybody else. Like I, I can do this because a lot of times it's, it's really just a matter. If you tell yourself that you can't do it, it's just going to be that much harder. There's no reason to really talk that way. So you may as well just figure out a way of convincing yourself to do it. You can get a case of the fuck it's in either direction. You can say, fuck it. I'm just going to eat a cookie. And then when you get a fuck it for eating a cookie, you can say, oh, fuck it. I'm going to eat some ice cream. Oh, fuck it. I'm just going to have some pizza. Ah, fuck it. It's Friday. I'm going to wait till Monday to start my diet over. Oh, look at that. It's only the 28th. So 
I'm going to wait till the first of November to start my, to start my diet. Right. And you keep pushing stuff off forever, but you can also get the buckets in the totally opposite direction where you say, you know what? I am going to do one more rep. I am going to do one more set. I I really like the words I will, because it kind of almost sounds like it's already over. Mm. So, you know, you could say to yourself, like, this is actually a good, a good trick is, um, and this is something I do quite a bit. So I, I do a lot of reps. Uh, when people work out with me, they think I'm absolutely out of my mind, but I'll do like 40 or 50 sometimes reps on something because what I do to myself is, and I've done this with like running and some other things too, which I still am not great at running, but, uh, I do it here and there. Uh, I'll just say, I'm going to run to that stop sign the stop signs usually not that far away. It might only be uh, 50 yards away or so, or something like that. And I, then once I get closer to the stop sign, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to run to that uh, speed bump up there, you know, or I'm just going to run to that next light. And that might be another 50 yards. And so I kind of, it's just like repeated lying to myself basically. And the reason why I do it is it, it kind of seems like it's okay because it's just uh, not that demanding. So another example would be, I'm on leg extension and I'm like, okay, I did two sets. I got warmed up pretty good. All right. Now it's time to really just like fuck myself over. Like I, I'm going to push really, really hard on this set. I'm going to give it everything I got. I'm going to go until my legs really aren't going to work anymore. And the way that I work myself through that process is I'm like, I'm going to do 10 reps. And I know that I'm going to do more than 10 reps. I get to nine reps and I'm like, I'm doing 12. I get to 12 reps. I'm like, I'm doing 15. When I get to 15, I'm like, I'm going to do a drop set and so on. And so there's ways to where you can burn success. Like you can like fucking brand success into your brain. You could stamp it right onto your brain uh, through pain. Um, I just heard Kanye West uh, on uh, Joe Rogan. Yeah. And he said, uh, he said, deliver, he said to God, he said, deliver me from pain. And his mother died like a couple weeks later, which is horrific, right? Really uh, tough thing to go through. But he said, now that he went through that pain, he can go through any pain that exists. So I think that you, you want to, uh, you want to use pain in a, uh, what's that word? Uh, hormesis. You want like right. little bits of pain. Cause when you dish out little bits of pain, you'll get accustomed to it. And then you'll be like a total psychopath because at some point <laughs> people will be like, dude, you were kind of smiling on that set. Like, are you okay? <laughs> and you'll just be like, you'll just be like, yeah, I, I'm in my happy place right now. So that's the way I would, it's, it's going to have to be worked into and also don't give yourself bad experiences. So I think that that the, on the flip side is, is don't give yourself a bad experience pretend that you're training your mother, pretend that you're training uh, your sister-in-law, pretend you're training somebody that you care about, that you, you want to see them be successful. And so don't hurt yourself, you know, like try to cause, you know, in medical, they, they are nurses and stuff like that. And doctors, they say, cause no harm, you know, try to have it be as positive as possible. Yes. You do want to push the limits. Yes. You want to go over the limits, but you don't need to do so for eight sets or five sets. Like not when you're starting out, like just give yourself a little dosage of it. That's going to be really excellent for you. That's going to be really good for you. And too much of it is going to be just as negative as not going to the gym at all, because it could be a de- huge deterrent. You could kind of mess up something in your hip or your quad and you can say the hell with that. I'm not going back for that. I mean, 
think about yourself as like a personal trainer almost and, and take that approach to where you're think about, I mean, just, you guys already know, like you guys coach a lot of people when you're coaching people, you would never have them do something that's going to hurt them, hurt themselves. You might do something that pushes them, but you don't want something that hurts them because then you're not going to have any clients left. <laughs> right. True. <laughs> Thank you so much. You have a, uh, you have a book out the war on carbs, Mark. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about that and you maybe how some of your past experiences going through, you know, you, you've done big weight cuts for, uh, for powerlifting. You've done some bodybuilding shows You've worked with Mike O'Hearn. You've dabbled with the carnivore diet. How does that all mesh into writing a book on diet? Yeah, the war on carbs, you know, it's, it's a great book. And if you check it out on Amazon, I mean, the reviews on it are, are amazing. Like that. that's, that's what I've been probably the most proud of it's almost like a pamphlet. It's just, you know, a lot of books I've read over the years on nutrition. Um, you know, they're like three, 400 pages and stuff like that. Uh, I just wanted to make something that was quick and easy for people to absorb. Um, one thing that I also am really proud of is that when I think, when I first wrote the book, I was like, Oh, my ideas and concepts are changing. Like, I don't want to put it out, but when I put it out, you know, my ideas keep kind of shifting back towards that. So I'm like, damn, like that, ended up being a little bit better than I thought. So uh, the war on carbs is just a simple idea of uh, it's, you know, I'm of the opinion that people just eat too much processed food. Um, it, people try to say that carbohydrates aren't, they'll try to say that carbohydrates aren't evil and that not eating carbs is not magical, but I actually disagree uh, in, in a lot of different ways. Um, carbohydrates aren't necessarily evil, but what is evil is to, you know, have companies that make millions and millions of dollars off of making these recipes that we can't stop eating. And so I think, yes, like eating an apple and eating some berries and shit like that's really not a huge problem. You're not going to get fat off of that. You're not going to get fat off of eating any whole foods, really. Uh, fruit, vegetables, uh, lean meats and stuff like that. I mean, you, you don't have to, when you eat like that, there's no reason to really track anything. There's no real, real reason to pay attention to anything. There's probably also no real reason to have a war against anything. <laughs> but uh, what we deal with, you know, on a daily basis is there's like new candy coming out all the time. There's holidays come. There's, you know, there's right now we got Halloween coming up. Then we have Thanksgiving. Then we have Christmas. And just about every year, people tend to gain, you know, five, six pounds and they don't ever address it. They never take care of it. And one easy way to address it is through eating more protein. And, um, I think, you know, I, if, if I'm to write another book on nutrition, it would probably be, uh, more focusing on not necessarily lowering carbs or lowering anything, but it would be probably more focused just on eating a fuck ton of protein because protein, when you leverage protein, it, uh, drives down hunger, it drives down cravings. Um, and protein is, I also think that, uh, protein is, um, it's uh, it's, it doesn't have four calories per gram because of what's bioavailable to you. And in addition to that, uh, the thermic effect of food, it, it costs your body some energy to digest protein. And so at least half of it, I, I think protein really only has about one calorie per gram, especially when we're talking about it coming from things that are more accessible to us, like when it comes from eggs and when it comes from beef plant proteins are a little different. They might even be even more useless. Um, but, uh, 
<laughs> but anyway, my, my main point here is just that if you're going to, if you're going to indulge, you're going to eat a lot of anything, it should be protein. Uh, and then second, secondly, I would say uh, fat or carbohydrates. You know, you can run off of either one of those. Those are your energy sources, fat and carbs. Protein is not an energy source. Protein is more of a, uh, of a resource to help you build and repair and things of that nature. And so when I wrote the book, The War on Carbs, the intention was to really uh, kind of drive home the point that people just eat too much processed foods. Carbohydrates can be highly palatable and it gets to be very, very hard with what we've talked about in this podcast already gets to be very hard to ha gain any control over your diet or gain any control over what it is that you're trying to do. And even th even carbohydrates that are healthier for you, like rice, um, eating rice and eating potatoes and stuff like that can be great. Those are great energy sources. But once you take a, uh, you know, once you take like a potato and you put uh, butter on it or sour cream, or bacon and cheese, right? Now, right. now you ended up with something that's really overloaded with a lot of calories. And then same thing with rice. Like, you know, if you have some rice and some chicken, that's great. Throw some teriyaki sauce on it. And now you have a party and now right. it's hard. It's hard to control the amount of food that you eat. So for me personally, whenever I've ditched carbs, it's, uh, it's helped just reduce the overall amount of food that I'm eating. Uh, lastly, I just want to finish on saying that uh, your calories are kind of an overarching thing that um, that does in some ways uh, rule everything. But um, just because that's just because I believe that to be true, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to track calories to be in good shape. I don't track or weigh anything ever. Um, I don't I also don't deter people from that. If you find that to be useful and effective for you, then uh, go ahead and do what's working. But uh, I don't think that it's necessary. I think when you are when you prioritize protein with every single meal that you have, you try to eat at least 20 grams for every meal and you try to eat at least four or five times a day, every, every single day. I think that, uh, you really won't run into a lot of other problems, problems. Your other foods will actually not even 20 grams. Probably you probably might need more depending on your body weight. So you would need to have at least one gram of protein per pound of body weight. So that's something uh, important to keep in mind. So then you can just kind of do the math and divide it by four or five, depending on how many meals you eat a day. But uh, that's pretty much what the diet looks like. Um, fat calories, they end up coming from the various meats and stuff that you might eat or cheese and, and things of that nature. I know you got to go here soon, but one last question. What's on the horizon for Mark Bell, what's next? What, what, what's in the, the mix? I know you have a lot of plates spinning. Yeah. You know, um, so what I try to do is, uh, you know, I try to only spin one plate at a time. So the next plate that we'll be spinning, uh, will be, uh, for supplements. And, uh, we, we have a great, we have a great product, uh, that we will have ready in a couple of weeks. Um, the name, the name of the brand is called Within You uh, because I believe that kind of as we talked about in the show, I believe that everyone has the ability to kind of heal themselves. Everyone has everything they need within themselves. And so it's kind of an interesting name for supplements because I don't believe that people necessarily need supplements to take them to where they want to go. However, when you want to do things in an extreme fashion, you want to take things to the next level, uh, sometimes it's more productive to have some supplementation 
uh, one of the first things out of the gate, um, which I'm a little hesitant to even really talk about, but I'll just say it anyway, is uh, the first thing out of the gate is called the steak shake. And the steak right. shake is, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a beef, a beef protein product that also has, um, whey protein, collagen, uh, egg white, whole egg. And then in addition to that, it has uh, liver, kidney, heart, oh, pancreas. Wow. And wow. it sounds, it sounds disgusting. It sounds like the reinvention of the Bassomatic from, uh, Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that, but it, it, it kind of sounds like you're just taking a steak and, and throwing it in a, in a ninja blender or something like that. But, uh, I can assure you that it tastes good. We'll have a chocolate and a vanilla flavor. Uh, we already did all the testing on it and everything product came out really, really good. I, I, I'm trying to, I don't know when it will be releasing maybe December or January. Um, but there's not another product on it. Like there's not another product like it on the market. Um, and then from there we have some sleep, um, we have a sleep product. We have an intra workout formula pre-workout. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's, um, I tried my best to keep everything as pure as possible. Uh, we don't have any, uh, artificial sweeteners and anything or anything like that. I personally am not even against artificial sweeteners. I have like diet Cokes and, uh, d different drinks like that here and there. Um, but I know that a lot of people have concerns over that. And so, uh, I wanted to kind of lean into that. So that's kind of what's, uh, that's, what's, that's, what's going on in the, uh, immediate future. You got to keep it clean for all of us hippies up here in the Northwest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gotta keep it, gotta keep it clean. Yeah, Mark people get people get super uh, super concerned about sucralose. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, where's a good place for people to reach you? Uh, I am uh, kind of all over the place, but uh, if people want to, you know, find out more about my products and stuff, you can go over to markbellslingshot.com. I also have a website called markbell.com, which is uh, just my workouts and stuff like that. If people want to follow along with any of that, you can follow along with, uh, some of the different stuff I'm doing in terms of my diet. Um, it has old workouts on there and it has newer workouts on there. And then in addition to that, um, I just like to invite people to super training gym. Uh, we're at 855 Riverside Parkway, suite 10. The gym is free. Uh, the gym uh, Saturdays and Sundays, uh, from 10 until one. Um, I, <laughs> I think at the moment we, we have, uh, reopened it up enough for me to, to say that, but if you're going to come just, uh, all you got to do is hit us up on Instagram. So the okay. Instagram is, I think the Instagram is the super training gym, uh, for anybody that wants to come and check it out. And you can just kind of set up a schedule of time to uh, come in and check out the gym. I, I'm usually there on the weekend. So Maybe I think I'll that's get to about run into you. Uh, nine, eight and a half, nine hour drives. So maybe we'll have to uh, make a blue collar <laughs> fitness uh, run down there and have some, uh, have some in and out burger while we're there. <laughs> yeah. Go get some uh, flying Dutchman. Hey, there flying we go. Dutchman. <laughs> thank, thank you very much, Mark. We, we appreciate you coming on and taking the time to, uh, for blue collar fitness today. I got a question for you guys. Yes, sir. How'd you guys all get, get together? How, how'd you formulate this, uh, this crew? You got, we got what, four people, right? <laughs> yeah. Sir, the, the, yeah. Origin, the origin of this story was, uh, we started out, um, Dave, our producer wanted, wanted to do a think tank of, you know, we're personal trainers and a life coach and 
we were having a rough time during the whole COVID-19 quarantine. And we were like, hey guys, like, you know, we're best friends. How do we, how do we make a business together? And we had some great ideas. And then I think Josh was like, hey, why don't we do a podcast and help each other and help our listeners, clients, friends, and other people. And that's how Blue Collar Fitness uh, happened. Do you guys have anything awesome. to add to that? Yeah, yeah I, I tried to start Blue Collar Fitness uh, about a year and a half ago um, on my own. And I was like, man, this is too much work. And then I had this, I saw this opportunity. I was like, okay, I could split the, split the chore four ways, you know? And um, now it's, it's a lot, it's a lot more, uh, it's a lot more fun having some people in here with you making it happen. Yeah. And some awesome really, guests. Yeah, it, it really is. I, it, and I think the big thing too, is when COVID started, we were all at home, we we're all working from home and alone. And it was like, Hey, you know, let, let's get together with some creative ideas of what we can do. So after like two or three of our creative think tank meetings, we were having so much fun and laughing so much. That's when Josh was like, dude, we need to do a podcast. And so, and then it took us three months to learn how to do a podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. The, the learning curve was like very, was really steep. <laughs> I, had, I had the mics, I had, you know, the focus right and everything, but it's, it's definitely harder to make it sound right and to get everything right than we thought it was. <laughs> I think our strength is more hardware, not software. <laughs> That's how Wait, this isn't a dumbbell. How do I use this? <laughs> we're mostly brawn, not brain. <laughs> yeah, but but it, it's been good for us. We we're on our 20, 21st episode now, I think. And awesome. I tell you, this this has been an amazing experience, and we we've reached some some really good people that that have reached out to us and and utilize us and talk to us, and uh, we're we're just proud to be in each other's lives. We care about each other. Like like Connor said, we're best friends and we always have each other's back and it makes the four of us pretty special. Awesome. And this shirt here, Mark, uh, we're going to send you a shirt. So what cool. size do you want or what size do you wear? A two X would be perfect. And then last thing I want to finish with is uh, just view this as uh, episode one with Mark Bell. So hit me up some other time. I appreciate oh, wow. it. Sounds great. That's awesome. Thank you That's so awesome. much. Thank you, sir. All right, guys. <laughs> Take have a care. great day. Thank Bye -bye. you. Appreciate it, Mark. Have a good one. Ooh. Yeah! <laughs> Woo! That was awesome. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, we're leaving oh this gosh. in. We're leaving this in. We have some. We have some family things to talk about, uh, listeners. So we have some things coming up. Um, we are going to be releasing the uh, booty building program. I'm not sure what the official title that will be. Uh, <laughs> something to do with building butts. Um, we had a, a good one. My... We had a really good one. What was it? Hey. Send, if you listen to the Peach show, progression. DM me if you have ideas for names for a booty building program. I have a lot of, I put a lot of time in this program. Um, I'm running uh, basically a pilot like programs with several women right now and a couple of my male clients <laughs> are interested in building glutes. The glute I gauntlet. I, the glute gauntlet. There we go. I can tell you um, one of my friends is on week three and it's insane she's now granted she has some amazing genetics um but the amount of mass she has put on in the uh area of the, uh, the glutes in three weeks is insane we're, we're so, talking so her ass is hot yes 
Yes. And it's growing. And it's gone from, uh, you know, from uh, a normal peach to a voluptuous peach. Fantastic. <laughs> this, this program works, guys. Um, and, so, you know, it so is guys, balanced. buy this for buy this for your girlfriends when it comes out, guys. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but it's a very aspirational program. <laughs> well, you got to have your assets in check. To <laughs> get together, and we just lost a lot of listeners, <laughs> but then gained a few on the other side, exactly. And then we also have the um, hypertrophy program coming out on our website. Uh, this program is very uh, pretty much the same program that Connor and I used during our transformation. If you guys followed us on uh, Instagram, we you know, in the beginning of the show, we were several we were weeks. Uh, 10 weeks, 10 weeks. Um, you could use this program in a calorie surplus or a calorie deficit. So um, if you're using a calorie surplus, you're going to put some serious mass on if you're using a calorie deficit. You, you probably gain a little bit of mass and hold on to all the, uh, the size that you have while you're uh, you're in a deficit. Um, I actually, since I was so detrained coming out of COVID, I can go back and look at the exact um, scans again, but I want to say I put on five and a half pounds of muscle while cutting about 19 pounds of fat over the 10 weeks. So you can recomp. It's absolutely possible. Um, Connor, what, what was your results on that program? On that program, I went from 14%, no, about 12% body fat, then dropped down to let's see around 5% and that was over 10 weeks. Well, with that program, I, I was able to build 10 pounds of muscle. Right. I'm looking up my exact numbers here. So it looks like according to the scans, um, scanning, 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 scanning. All right. This is, I've got too many transformation photos that to, uh, on here already. Oh, here we go. Okay. So, uh, week one, I was 202 pounds. I had 98.5 pounds of muscle and I was 16% body fat. By week 10, I was 186 pounds. I had 103.4 pounds of muscle. Yeah. So I gained five pounds of muscle and guys, um, you know, don't, don't, I know I wasn't 3.6% body fat. According to the scanner, I was 3.6. I was probably like 5%. You guys can go look. I had striations mm -hmm. on my glutes. I had death face. Um, I was pretty, pretty dangling. I was probably like five and a half percent body fat or so. Um, with any of these body fat testing methods, the main thing is that you use the same machine and you see a trend over time, right? So the first reading, it said 16%, who knows, maybe I was uh, 19, right? Um, on week one, and then by week 10, it said I was 3.6%. Who knows, maybe I was like five and a half, six, something like that. And you know, the eye test is, is usually a little bit better um, the uh it's funny if you if you guys list uh watch any greg you set videos he says he has the laser eye test um i would i would almost uh uh say that most experienced bodybuilding coaches probably have better body fat percentage gauge just by looking at someone 
than any of these, uh, these body fat testing. Like even if you go get a DEXA scan, the only way you're going to get a, a really good reading, like an accurate reading is if you do a dissection and then you're dead. So who cares what your body fat percentage is? <laughs> Speaking of bodybuilders, um, there's a, there's a funny, uh, <laughs> a meme. I only date bodybuilders and it shows a picture of, uh, Frankenstein or the, the doctor making Frankenstein because he's a bodybuilder. <laughs> I don't know. That section just got me onto that, that, uh, and, that joke. And we just lost a few more listeners. Okay. Good job, Cutter. <laughs> that was awesome. We started at 1,000, and now we're at negative three. <laughs> That's so great. Oh, man. Thank you guys so, for this. This was amazing. Hypertrophy and the, the glute gauntlet are coming out. The glute gauntlet are coming out. Soon. And uh, we just had the people's coach on, Mark Bell. Go follow him at Mark Smelly Bell on Instagram. The guy's awesome. Um, he's been a huge influence. He's incredible. Huge influence in my life. He's kind of a philosopher now. Um, I love hearing his take on life, and he's got a lot of life experience. So go check him out if you haven't. He has uh, an awesome podcast that he has, kind of this format. I believe he has three hosts. Mark yeah. Bell's Power Project. Um, I don't. Is it the Power Project now, or what, you know, yeah, the Power yeah? Cast? It used it used to be the Power Cast. Then for some reason. That that part of the name got changed. So I'm pretty sure it's a, it's a power project. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. Mark Bell, Slingshot.com. You know, he just celebrated the 10th anniversary of his um, training device called the Slingshot, which is cool. And also, he's on YouTube, one of the original fitness YouTubers. Right. Back right. in the day. <laughs> From like Literally. 2007, when, when YouTube came out, Mark was putting out YouTube videos. So um, yeah, and a lot, a lot of people don't know. If, if you haven't gone and seen, we mentioned on the show, if you haven't seen Bigger, Faster, Stronger, it's a, it's a sad documentary, but it's a, it's a really cool documentary about the Bell family and steroids in general. Um, so yeah, go check it out. I think Mark was probably one of the very first um, online personalities that was open about a steroid use because he literally mm-hmm. starred in a movie about being on steroids. So what he didn't really have a choice, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, he's very open and honest, really, really wise down earth guy. And um, you guys have anything to add to this, uh, this episode? That was a great um, episode. I, I mean, I, I just, I'd like to sit back and, and listen to, we definitely have to have him on again because uh, he, he's just like, he just pushed so much knowledge out. It was awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. The other thing too is um, I'm also making the program for our website as well uh, for assertiveness and self-confidence. And it's basically how to increase your personal power through communication and social interaction. So I will have that up on our website, hopefully within the next week or so. Uh, That's a freebie guys. So just log in and get it and uh, go from there. Where can they, where can can people reach uh, on the blue collar fitness website, Dave? Yeah. You guys are interested in, uh, life coaching specifically go follow um dave's podcast you can where can you find that dave um my podcast is the coaching for leaders uh on itunes and spotify you know and just just focus on a lot of uh a lot of things to make what a good leader is you know what what what's the difference between aggression and assertiveness those kind of things but uh yeah it's been great you can reach me at uh, on instagram at dave shep consulting and uh, you can find me at Sarge Josh on Instagram. And you can find me at Connor Burton Training on Instagram. 
And Trevor doesn't check his DMs, but you can find him at T Chase Powers on Instagram. <laughs> Slide in a different way. You're right. You're right. I don't, I don't check my DMs that often. No. So, guys, great show interviewing the people's coach, the legend, Mark Bell. Um, in the show notes, you're going to see a link to Mark Bell. So, go follow him on Instagram. He's a really awesome guy. And that was a great episode, guys. Appreciate it. Yep. Yep. Good guys, job, everyone. You guys take care. All right. Uh, we love you guys. We're out. Love you.